think meditation is hard, do me a favor. Take a slow, deep breath in. And now breathe out. Congratulations. You just meditated. Hi, I'm Crystal Joukowsky, and this is Breathe In, Breathe Out, a weekly mindfulness and meditation podcast for anyone ready to own their own shit and find a little peace while doing it. Welcome to the next episode of Mindful Caregiving on Breathe In, Breathe Out. Just a quick background and reminder that these episodes came about because my mom was diagnosed with Lewy body dementia. And in her diagnosis, she lives right out my back door, which means that I became a caregiver for her. And I got the challenge of navigating all of the ups and downs and whatever that would come along with this diagnosis. So as a way to process and a way to help me through this experience, I decided that I would share my experience with you and share the tidbits of knowledge that I had received along the way. So here we go with the next episode. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to Breathe In, Breathe Out. I'm Crystal Joukowsky and this is another episode on the Mindful Caregiving series. I'm going to dive in today and I'm just going to dive deep and I'm going to tell you a story (laughs) because it illustrates so much and I thank you for listening along and, and I pray that there is There are multiple nuggets of wisdom in this for you as well on your journey. My mom ended up in the hospital, and uh, she had a kidney stone, and this kidney stone was blocking her tubes down to the bladder, and that meant that she was really struggling and going downhill. Her kidney wasn't functioning correctly um, because the urine was being pushed back up into the kidney, and it was just causing lots of problems, and she was in a lot of pain. Now, my mom and I had gone into the hospital seven months before this, and she had a different issue, and she did not have the diagnosis, although I was her medical power of attorney at the time. And that time when we were in the hospital, things were just... They were normal for a hospital. I wasn't as educated on her stuff. I mean, I knew what she was going through and her challenges up to that point because I had been watching everything for years and she had slowly, you know, this or that had happened. And so it wasn't that big of a deal other than when she was confused and I was trying to help answer questions, but the doctors didn't really want to talk to me because my mom was the patient. This time in mom's chart, it said that she had Lewy body dementia. And it also said that she is a DNR. And the first doctor that came into the ER to check in on us and see what was going on looked at me and he nudged towards the the dementia diagnosis and he said, I just really want to thank you for being here. And it was a stressful moment to have my mom in the hospital and it Dang near made me cry to have him acknowledge my efforts in taking care of my mom. My mom was admitted to the hospital. There was no way that this was going to pass on its own. They didn't think, and she was going to have to have a surgery where they go up the tube through the bladder and then blast the kidney stone where it's at in order to free up the passage and help her reduce the pain and let her kidneys go back to normal function. The crazy thing was that the daytime doctor that came in and had her as his patient 
saw her DNR. Now, my mom is 71 years old. She had to, has a dementia diagnosis of Lewy body. She knows that when you have CPR, meaning chest compressions, that they are going to break ribs and it's highly likely that they will puncture lungs at the same time. And at her age and where her body is at, my mom does not want to have to heal from broken ribs, punctured lungs, and whatever else her body is going through, whatever caused her body to crash. So my mom had decided that she was a DNR. And the doctor didn't like that. So he was trying to convince her to change that DNR. And then my mom looks at me and says, Crystal? And I looked at the doctor, and I was really upset because this puts me in a really rough situation. And I think more caregivers go through this, and it's not talked about. Um, doctors really don't want a patient dying on their time. And I understand this. Hospitals do not want patients dying in the hospital because it puts a black mark on them. That's not a good thing. And so the best thing they can do is say, hey, can't we do everything we can to keep this person alive? It's not necessarily in the best interest of that person and where they're at. It is in the best interest of the doctors and the hospitals, which means that they are going to try to convince you to change that for that hospital stay, no matter what happens in that hospital stay. The problem with this is that my mom seems pretty largely with it. But my mom has made that decision in a moment of clarity while my mom and I were sitting together talking about things. And when a doctor is trying to convince her to change it, and then she looks at me, and if I am the one who has to look at that doctor and say, she's a DNR, please stop asking her to change it, then I kind of look like an asshole. <laughs> it makes me insecure. It makes me frustrated. Do I look like I don't want to keep my mom alive because I'm choosing to keep her DNR instated? And that's the way I felt. And it was frustrating as heck because one guy is, thank you for being here and supporting your mom. And the next doctor on her floor wants me to change things. The doctor leaves. The nurse does her thing. The nurse's assistant comes and do that, does their thing. And then my mom starts to have periods of hospital psychosis. If you've never heard of it, let me explain. When an older person goes into the hospital, it is a strange place. It is not their normal, regular routine. And it is not uncommon for them to start having visions or hallucinations. Now, my mom believed that the ceiling in her room was unbelievably filthy, that the vents were dusty and hadn't been cleaned in forever. But they were clean and white as could be from my point of view. Other people might start throwing things because they're confused. That's part of hospital psychosis. My husband's grandfather was in his hospital bed and he thought that he was being held captive in a golf cart. This is hospital psychosis. It is seeing and believing things that are not necessarily real and it happens when they are out of their own routine, their own area. Confusion, hallucinations, all sorts of stuff. Now, my mom was having that. She would only talk about it when I, when nobody else was in the room. When the nurses and assistants would come into the room, mom seemed pretty with it. She would answer a question, and sometimes those questions would not make any sense. They would not be a true answer, and then I would correct 
the answer very gently in any way I could. But they, to, to them, she seemed like she was pretty normal. And then we got into the time, it was time to go to surgery. <laughs> and and uh, the anesthesiologist came into the room. And once again, my mom looks like she's completely with it. And the anesthesiologist says, are you sure that you want this DNR? Why don't we just waive that DNR for this surgery? I mean, it doesn't make sense to have a DNR for such a simple surgery. Why would you want to die if something went wrong and I could just do some chest compressions and bring you back? And once again, I am placed in this position where I had to advocate for my mom's wishes. It made me angry the way that they were treating her and trying to get her to change things, knowing that she had a Lewy body diagnosis and knowing that I was her power of attorney and trying to convince her that she wanted it changed because she looked lucid. So I looked at my mom and I said, hey, mom, do you trust me to sign these papers? And she said, yes, I do, Crystal. And I said, great. So I took the paper and I marked off DNR, no chest compressions, no intubation, no nothing, and I signed it, and I gave it to the guy, and I let him go out the door. And as soon as, she, he, as soon as he left the room, my mom asked me if I could see the footprints on the ceiling, another period of psychosis. It turned out that they were mama Bigfoot size, and they must have stood on their hands on her bed in order to get their feet up there, to which I chuckled and laughed and said, well, I guess they were like Lionel Richie dancing on the ceiling. She chuckled, and then I asked her if she was nervous about the surgery. I changed the subject so that we didn't dwell on these footprints that did not exist in my world, but they absolutely did in hers. Hospital red tape, end-of-life prep, and caregiving. My mom and I have done a ton of work. You all know what an advocate I am for end-of-life planning. That's who I am. That's how I feel. That it is unbelievably important to do all of that work. And just in the last couple of weeks, there have been multiple people who have suddenly needed to know what somebody wanted. We put off the end-of-life planning. We put off that paperwork thinking we have plenty of time. But what happens when you're on the way to a baby shower and some drunk T-bones your car and kills you and you didn't have any paperwork done? What happens if you just got your motorcycle license, you went to California to get the bike, and you're driving home to Washington on that motorcycle, and a semi takes you out? What happens if you have an allergic reaction to some substance that you eat, ingest, and you're gone? Life can change so fast. We do not know what is coming. We do not know how or when our time will be up. And I continually ask people, plead with people, talk to people about the need to not only do the work, but 
make sure that your agent is designated and a backup agent to make all those decisions for you and that they know what your reasons are, what your hopes are, what your expectations are for your medical stuff, for your living will, for everything. With my mom in the hospital, I am not only her caregiver, I am her medical power of attorney. I know what my mom wants and why she wants that, which means that as her agent, I have to be strong enough to uphold her wishes. And I do mean strong enough because that anesthesiologist was pushy. Those doctors can be very convincing. Aren't you sure you want to change that? Yeah, you definitely want to change that, don't you? I have to be strong enough. Your agent, your advocate has to be strong enough to say, no, that is not what they want. And I know this for a fact because we've talked about it. On the one hand, this visit to the hospital was a little bit easier. And it was a little bit easier because the doctors and the nurses would talk to me and ask me questions. They would check in with me. I had a patient rep check in with me to see if I needed any additional support because of my mom's diagnosis and where we were at. On the other hand, it was more difficult. And it was more difficult because I had to be an advocate fighting for her wishes. And it opened my eyes to so much more. A couple of little side notes. In my end-of-life planning, I've come across a group called the Death Cafe. D-E-A-T-H Cafe. And they have coffee, tea, and cake. And they talk about death. They talk about the challenges of death, whether it's your own or somebody else, whether you're a caregiver facing it or whatnot, all aspects of death. And it is an open forum way that you can check in and talk about it. And in this death cafe, I learned of something called a dementia directive. You know, we all plan for a normal passing. Quote, unquote, air quotes, there is no such thing as a normal passing. And yet... I had never heard of this other thing called a dementia directive, which allows you to know or state what your wishes are in different stages of dementia. Because in the early stages, it almost seems like nothing's wrong and you can largely fend for yourself. In the middle stages, you need more assistance. You may need help showering and getting around. You cannot drive anymore. You may not remember how to make a sandwich. You may have challenges you will in the middle stages of dementia you will have challenges with normal day-to-day activities and in the late stages of dementia you are largely bedbound you are definitely incontinent you are definitely being taken care of 24 7 you are being fed now something i learned about in my savvy caregiver class and my dementia class and the death cafe It's the fact that as we get older, even antibiotics can be a life-extending thing. If you have dementia and you are in a bed and incontinent, it is not uncommon to get a urinary tract infection. 
Now you can treat the urinary tract infection so that you can live longer in this confused, totally reliant on other people's state. Or you can do comfort measures, which is treat any pain, any discomfort, do not do antibiotics, allow the infection to go sepsis, and the patient passes away from a urinary tract infection. And on the one hand, this sounds horrible. And on the other hand, it's, oh my gosh. Well, how else are they going to pass? Through starving? Their body just gives up for failure to thrive? When you start to truly know and understand what you're dealing with and what you're facing, it's mind-boggling, it's enlightening, it's scary. It's also soothing and understanding when I can sit back and I can say, if I am in middle stages of dementia where I'm already confused and somebody has to help me shower and I can't really operate for myself, I'm okay letting a UTI be the reason that I pass. Just keep me comfortable and let me go. And I can say that now as a 40-something-year-old woman with a completely clear heart and mind, and nobody can question whether or not I was sane, and I can put it forth so that everybody knows. Because once somebody's diagnosed with dementia, there's already a slipping of the mental faculties. You do not know if you will make it to a long golden age and pass peacefully in your bed, or if you will go some other way surprising, and sooner. Who knows what you want? Who is strong enough to advocate for you through the hospital red tape to ensure that your wishes are taken care of? It was an eye-opening experience. It was amazing for me to see and know and walk through it. And in being there with the diagnosis and the DNR in her chart, it opened up more possibilities because I was given more resources, more references, more help, which lightened my load and reminded me that there are other steps and that it will be okay. Yes, it's going to be a challenge. Yes, it's going to be overwhelming. And yet, there are others willing, able, trained, and ready to assist me in my next step, and my next step, and my next step. End of life, caregiving, and hospital red tape. Only you know what you want. Only you know what you don't want. Let's open up these conversations. Let's make sure that we all talk about what's really there Because the statistic is, so far, 100%, 100% of us end up passing away. Like, they haven't figured out how to make us live forever. None of us are immortal. (laughs) So if that's a fact, and we know that fact, then why not do what we can to prepare ourselves and those around us? I wish you strength. I wish you love. I wish you self-care. I wish you moments of joy, tidbits of laughter. And with all my love, I'll see you here again next week on Breathe In, Breathe Out.
I hope this moment of self-care and healing brought you some hope and peace. I'm Crystal Joukowsky on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and I hope you check us out and follow along for more content coming soon. I look forward to being with you again here on Breathe In, Breathe Out. Until next time, take care. Thank you.